Adam Crowley Show. I'm much better than a fan, and I'm not as much of a jackass as On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Good evening, everybody, and how you doing? Well, that's good. Wesley Euler here on the Crowley Show, filling in for Adam Crowley. It's furry week in Pittsburgh, as I'm sure you all know. Anthrocon, as it's called, kicked off yesterday, and Adam took off today. Do with that information what you will. Really makes you wonder. 412-922-2874 is how you get involved. You can also tweet me at Wesley Euler. You found the Crowley Show, where your sister is a big fan, and you should be too. We've had a lot of fun on the show today. We've talked a little bit about furries. Furries. I got it right that time. Yes! We talked some penguins. We'll talk more penguins coming up next with Matt Geico. We've talked some World Cup. We've talked golf, MMA, all over the place. We're going to get back into the NBA here in a second. Before we do, the NFL has a new PED policy that is, is just crazy. The, the policy offers a suspension reduction for players who snitch on other PED violators. I'll give you a second to let that one marinate. Yes! A new provision in the NFL's PED, Performance Enhancing Drug Policy, allows for punishment reduction of up to 50%. That includes games missed, fines, everything. 50% reduction of punishment for PED users who snitch on other dopers. This has sparked all kinds of debate over whether or not players should tattletale on their fellow man. Eagles offensive lineman Lane Johnson, one of the best offensive linemen in the league, also a twice-convicted PED user, tweeted out, No snitching last night when the news came down in response to the policy. But I found a loophole. Yes, I have outsmarted the NFL, folks. I finally found my opportunity. I'm ready to make an NFL roster, baby. Hear me out. I'll join any team. I'll take the minimum salary, which we figured out earlier in the show, just a little under half a million dollars, 450000 if you want to be specific. And I'll pump myself full of any PED the team wants to give me, any steroid, any over-the-counter product, new illegal stuff that might not show up on drug tests. You name it, I'll take it. Then... If anybody on my team is actually caught using performance-enhancing drugs, they can all snitch on me, get their suspensions and their fines cut in half while still reaping the benefits of performance-enhancing drugs. General managers, DM me. Rooney family, listen. Listen. I'd love to stay here. Pittsburgh's my home. But I'm only as loyal as the amount of zeros in my bank account. So you better get moving quickly. A narrative out there that's this week been driving me crazy is that the NBA is now ruined. This has all come, obviously, on the backs of Kevin Durant going to the Warriors two years ago. Now DeMarcus Cousins taking a cheap one-year deal to join the Warriors as well. And the talk now, nationally, even locally, in places like Pittsburgh, where the NBA isn't a big talking point, is that the NBA is ruined, and they need to fix this, and they need to come up with a way to prevent these quote-unquote super teams from forming. But I think that is a crock. The NBA has plenty of problems, don't get me wrong. And, and the Warriors, I think at first, were good for the league. But now, sure, it's going to start to turn people off. But if you look at the landscape, it happened differently in the past, but the NBA's kind of always been like this. Look, just in, in my lifetime, I was born in 1991. 
The Chicago Bulls won six championships in the eight years after I was born. And then the Spurs had a great run. Well, they run three championships in four years. Then you had the Los Angeles Lakers, Shaq and Kobe, three straight. They went on to win two more that later on that decade without Shaq with Paul Gasol, but same decade. The NBA has always been like this. Yes, it hasn't happened like it did with the Warriors. It hasn't happened where you had a, a player as phenomenal as Kevin Durant take less money to join a team that won 73 games and just beat his team. All that's unprecedented. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is one team dominating the NBA for a long stretch of time is far from unprecedented. In fact, I'd say it's the norm. Four or five NBA teams, five NBA teams have won over 85% of the NBA championships. And if you add the Detroit Pistons and the Miami Heat to that, the number's even greater. Boston Celtics, 17 championships. Los Angeles Lakers, 16 championships. The Bulls and the Warriors, both six. San Antonio with five. After that, there's a huge drop-off. After that, there's only been 13 other NBA franchises in history to win an NBA championship, and some of them don't even exist anymore. The Washington Bullets, the Rochester Royals, the Seattle Supersonics, the St. Louis Hawks, the Syracuse Nationals, the Baltimore Bullets before they became the Washington Bullets. All those teams won NBA championships. They're now defunct, or they're the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Atlanta Hawks, things of that nature. So this whole idea that the Warriors are ruining the NBA, listen, I don't like it. And just from a visual standpoint, right, it, it's not appealing. But this is kind of basketball's thing. The, the 60s were dominated, and the 70s, by the Celtics and the Lakers. And then you got into the 80s, you still had that Celtics dominance. And then you got the Jordan Bulls. And then you got the Lakers. And now you have Golden State. It's it, with San Antonio smashed in there too. It's always it's always been like this. And I think some of the hoopla, some of the reaction, some of the oh, I'm I'm not watching an NBA, the league's ruined is a little overblown. One thing, however, that I will say that has been floated out there that I think could be a good idea, and, and Tom, I'd like to get your opinion on this too, is 1 through 16 playoff seeding in the NBA. So essentially, teams would play Western Conference, Eastern Conference during the regular season, but once the playoffs started, the team with the best record would go up against the team with the worst record in, in, in 2 versus 15, in 3 versus 14, and so on and so forth until you got to that 8-9 matchup. And if the Warriors had the best record in the league and the Chicago Bulls had the... Worst record to make the playoffs? It doesn't matter that the Bulls play in the East and the Warriors play in the West. They meet in the first round. That's something to me that is intriguing. And, and that would have been intriguing to me before DeMarcus Cousins even went to the Warriors because we've seen, aside from the time that, that the Jordan Bulls were running the league, the West has dominated the NBA now for a while. Now, LeBron kind of pulled that back a little bit, especially when he was with the Heat. But 1-16 through 16 seeding, is something I could get behind. The only thing that is obviously the huge concern is what if you have Golden State against Miami in the first round? And then you've got teams that are on the opposite sides of the country playing each other in the first round. That's a lot of travel, right? But these NBA playoff games, I feel like they already take off three or four days in between the Like, it's not like the NHL where they play every other day, right? And maybe one extra day for travel occasionally. I feel like the NBA, especially in the finals, in the, in the, in the conference finals, like they take... 
three, four days between series all the time. So would the extra travel really be that big of a detriment? I don't know. No, I, I, I'm all for the 1 through 16 in, in NBA playoff seating. I think they should do it, honestly, in the NHL too. I think when it comes to sports that are separated into two conferences like that, that's the best way to really determine who the true champion is. And we need to take step towards making the NBA more competitive. Yeah. Because that's the problem right now is everybody just thinks, oh, Golden State hasn't won, and they really kind of do. I think going to a 1 through 16 seed format instead of – eight from the West, eight from the East is a step towards that competitiveness coming back. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, it it might be perceived as unfair for Golden State to have to travel to Miami in the first round. But I mean, tough, right? Right. I mean, you have a private jet for a reason. And and back in the what? Back in the 70s when there was only 12 teams in the league, they were traveling cross country. Exactly. I mean, they'd play. I remember looking at scheduling from the 80s, and it was crazy some of the swings that the Lakers and Celtics used to go on. Oh, yeah. The Lakers would go up to New York, play the Knicks two straight nights, and then fly back and play a home game a day later. Like It, it was insane. Yeah, and, and I think these guys will be able to handle it, especially because it's just the playoffs, right? It's not like it's the whole... I mean, they travel the whole season, but it's, it's, a, it's 10 days, maybe two weeks, and you'd have, let's be honest, a lot of the top seeds, the series would be over pretty quick, right? Golden State is going to make pretty quick work of whoever they're playing. Houston is going to make pretty quick work of, of whatever 15, 14 seed team they're playing. And I think, like you said, not only would it bring more competition back, because you wouldn't see maybe some of the stuff that we've seen in the past where some of the best series happened before the final. I think it would also drum up again some fan interest from the casual fan, just because it would be a new wrinkle to introduce to the game. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, though. Do you keep the conferences? Is there still an East and a West, or do you kind of just for, do like for a, regular season scheduling purposes? Sure, but but you'd have I feel like you'd have to almost play every team an equal amount to make it truly fair. Yeah. You know it's I mean? never going to be perfect, right? Exactly. Um, now that's even another thing. Again, though, you'd get into more the the travel being a problem conversations. But yeah, if you if you could eliminate divisions. And make it like the English Premier League, that's what where I was, everybody that's what plays I was everybody. Thinking about you play everybody twice, but I, I would that might be a little too something like play everybody three times or play everybody four times. Right. I don't think it would work out perfectly. Yeah, no, I think you still have to keep the conferences because again, there has to be some. You got to keep the divisions and the conferences because you want those rivalries still, right? Like, like you want the Warriors to play the Lakers more, more than more, more than times. more than they play the Miami Heat. Yes. You want the you want the Sixers and the Celtics to play more than than the Celtics play the Clippers. It just and that's part of what the NHL has done well with their scheduling is is make more of those rivalry matchups. It just again looking at these numbers like the whole NBA ruined and I get from a visual aesthetic standpoint. It's annoying. You see a guy like DeMarcus Cousins who's been a multiple-time All-Star Join a team that just got Kevin Durant after they won 73 games, had the best regular season in NBA history. I get it. But again, you can take five NBA franchises and come up with 85% of all the NBA championships. And like I said, if you add the Pistons and the Heat to that as well, I mean, you're, you're talking over 90%. Uh, and I, I just think it's a little overblown, Tom. That's all. I just think it's a little overblown. It's fair. And, and like I said, it... They've, this conversation has been had everywhere, nationally, locally, here in places like Pittsburgh that don't even have the NBA. It's a big talking point right now. And it'll be interesting to see if the Warriors have a great year, this will gain even more traction, right? No if, if they underperform a little bit and 
Big uh, Bo- Boogie's not going to be back till Christmas anyways, and maybe Curry gets hurt again, and Durant has a little bit of a slow start. And then okay, it'll be on the back burner. But if they come out <laughs> just laying people down, uh, it- it's going to be a complaint that we're going to hear about a lot going forward, especially this NBA season. 412-922-2874 is the number to call if you want to get involved. You can also tweet the show at Wesley Euler. We've got a poll up there, our dumb question of the day. That's coming up at 640, but if you want to chime in early, let your opinion be known, you can get that poll at Wesley Euler on Twitter. When we come back on the other side, we will get to some more fun stuff. Dumb question of the day, maybe one thing Wes missed from Tom. But coming up next, it's the man with the most beautiful lettuce in Pittsburgh. From Pittsburgh Hockey Now, Matt Geica will join us next. We'll talk a little bit, a lot of bit, about what the Penguins have done this offseason, the Jack Johnson signing, some of the rumored things that the Penguins have going on, maybe in on Max Pacioretty from the Montreal Canadiens. We'll talk about all that next with Matt Geica of Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Keep it right here. You are listening to The Crowley Show. Just because he graduated WVU doesn't mean he's educated. Does no sports. It's Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh at 9:70 a.m. and now at 106.3 FM. Go, 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 go! Friday, it's your Friday block party here on the Crowley Show. As we roll along, Matt Geica on the line to join us. But before we get to the man with the best salad in Pittsburgh, breaking news coming into the Crowley Show. Two of the biggest names in world football have agreed to terms. We've got a bet between Zlatan Ibrahimovic and David Beckham relating to the Sweden-England game tomorrow. If England wins, David Beckham... (laughs) If England wins, Zlatan has to go to an England game wearing an England shirt, wearing... Wearing an England shirt. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to talk here, folks, I promise. Wearing an England shirt and has to eat fish and chips at halftime with Beckham. If Sweden beats England tomorrow, Beckham has to take Zlatan on a whatever-he-wants shopping spree from Ikea. It's been a fun show so far. We talked some Penguins earlier, and we will do so again now. It's been an interesting offseason for the Penguins. I feel like it always has been in the Jim Rutherford tenure. Joining us now to talk all things Penguins from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Like I said, the man with the best lettuce in Pittsburgh. It's Mr. Matt Geica. Matt, thank you for taking the time to join us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mr. Euler. Good to speak with you. Thanks yeah, you you as well. It's it's funny here. Matt and I have only ever met briefly in person, but we've had kind of a, a I guess you could say, a few years of a internet relationship, if you will. We both <laughs> once held the same job. Uh, that was in the USHL with the Youngstown Phantoms. There were, I think, maybe two, maybe three people in between Matt and I, between when I had the job and when he had the job, but we were both the broadcaster and the director of media relations for the, the Youngstown Phantoms in the USHL. And, uh, and hey, now we're here talking on the ESPN Pittsburgh Airwaves, so I guess we're doing something right, Matt. It's amazing how that works. You could say I had it first. I was the first broadcaster in Phantoms history in the USHL, at least, in 0910. What were you, 1415, somewhere around there? 1516, yep. 1516, okay. Yeah. So, I got, so the, I got the tail end of the Kyle Connor, Connor glory rolling into the, the Cam Morrison potential. Well, there you have it. And then they just made the Clark Cup final this year, so things are going pretty well up there after That's right. nine years. That's right. And the Cavelli Center for all the hockey fans in the area, great place to take your family and go watch a hockey game and see yeah. some of the best junior hockey in this country. Matt, I want to start with you with what's kind of been the hot-button issue now, I would say, for over a week that's been debated both sides for and against the signing of Jack Johnson. Your thoughts on what he brings to the team 
and then kind of the, the, the length and the term of the contract as well. But what he brings to the team is a contract that's way too big, in my opinion, but he can at least make a breakout pass, and that's the one thing that Jim Rutherford seems to be hanging his hat on, and the data backs it up. There's some really good information out there that is in some ways subjective, but uh, plenty of folks in the the hockey analytics spheres are, are tracking passes now and, and transition, and I even did it for a full season with the Penguins in 16-17 seeing who helps you get out of your zone and who helps you get into your zone. And, and Jack Johnson was better than all but Chris Letang last year at, uh, at making a, a successful breakout pass. So there you have it. If that's the one thing that he does well, uh, it's okay. But to, to pay him for five years, to pay him more than $3 million a year, um, I just wonder what exactly the competition was for Jack Johnson and um, whether the Penguins felt like they had to go four or five to, to retain him to get his services. I was thinking maybe you could say he's a project and you give him one, two years tops at a couple of million dollars. So the disconnect for me is there. Not necessarily taking a chance on a guy, but taking a chance on a guy for that much and for that long. Yeah, that's the same way I felt, Matt. If it was more of a a show-and-prove contract, I I would be all for it because, again, it's Jack Johnson absolutely has the, the pedigree of a successful National Hockey League defenseman. One thing that also worries me, me with this, Matt, is... I worry that Jack is going to get into Mike Sullivan's good graces and end up chipping away at maybe Ole Mata's role, Ole Mata's mm-hmm. minutes. And and for a guy that we just saw play his first healthy season, hitting that age where you really see defensemen starting to find their identity, are you worried at all, too, that Jack Johnson's addition could end up playing more minutes, could push Ole Mata down the lineup and reduce his role? Yeah, I do, because I love what I saw from Ole Mata this year. It wasn't just the health. It was also, it appeared more confidence in the offensive zone. He had more shots and shot attempts per game than he's ever had in his career, and that even counts the rookie season when he put up, I think it was eight goals. So Ole Mata mid-20s and Jack Johnson 31. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty obvious that Mata should be second pairing and Jack Johnson should be third pairing. But then again, maybe you're right. Maybe there is something to the fact that, that Mike Sullivan looked at the tape and Jim Rutherford looked at the tape and they see someone who can be a top four D-man for them. And I'm not sure I see that. And I don't know if, if that's a, a position I would take unless Mata really struggles at the start of the year. So there's always that contingency. But as of right now, Jack Johnson's your third pairing left side D-man. And um, I would just say that whoever's with him is going to bear a lot of the burden in, in driving offense because Johnson has, has been stuck in his own zone for much of his career, really, if you look at the, the puck possession, the, the shot share numbers. Matt, you wrote an article yesterday for Pittsburgh Hockey Now talking about some free agents out there the Penguins might still be interested in. One of those was Anthony Duclair, a name that had been kicked around uh, not just by you, by others as well. And, of course, your ears must have been burning because he ends up <laughs> signing a contract with Columbus later in the day. We'll start here. Do you think that the Penguins were in on Duclair and possibly Matt Cullen wanting to come back ixnay that interest? And would you rather have Matt Cullen over Anthony Duclair? Uh, no, I would not have Matt Cullen over Anthony Duclair. I think Anthony Duclair has top six upside in this league. And for him to just sign for 650000 the minimum, with Columbus, I think that's a really good signing for them. I know they're they're pretty crowded up top. I was looking at their... Um, their contracts today on cap friendly and well there are plenty of guys signed for multiple years so Duclair is going to have to do some 
um, some proving, but maybe he got assurances from the Blue Jackets that he would get more of an opportunity than what he might have gotten here in Pittsburgh. And that's the one thing, because I was able to confirm through a, a source that I trust that there was interest in Anthony Duclair and that if they could sign him for around a million or less, then they would jump at that. So I almost think that um, it came down to something beyond numbers, obviously, because uh, the Penguins could have given him the minimum, obviously. They, they just did the Matt Cullen, and they have enough under the cap, even with Alexiak yet to be signed, to do it. Um, so that one seems like a missed opportunity for a lot of teams, not just the Penguins. And it was just a chance to, to get a guy with young legs, uh, a lot of potential, speed and skill. No, he hasn't uh, translated that to um, great production at the NHL level, but there's been enough there, and he's succeeded on some pretty poor Coyotes teams in, in creating something. So um, that felt like a missed chance for me, and I wrote about it yesterday, and it was just a couple of hours after that that the signing was confirmed to the Jackets. So, um, you know, I wasn't the only one who was looking at him. I know there were plenty around the league. Word is that Montreal was also offering a, a contract to him, but he chooses the Blue Jackets. Maybe that tells you where Columbus is in the terms of people's eyes in the league. Yeah, and I'm with you there, Matt. I, I always, especially a young guy like that, only 22 years old, if you can get him on a, a show-improve contract where he's fighting for his future, I, I agree that there would have been a ton of upside to that. You just talked about how Columbus kind of has a crowded situation in, in their top six when it comes to wingers. I think the Penguins have a little bit of a logjam themselves at center now with, of course, Crosby and Malkin. You've got Shahan, you've got Broussard. You've got Cullen. I think Teddy Bluger is a name that a lot of people would like to see get some spin at the NHL level this year. What's going? What's the Penguins' plan there? Obviously, going to try and play somebody at wing, or could someone still get moved in a trade? Well, there's still a possibility that a player gets moved, and if the Penguins are going after Max Pacioretty or Jeff Skinner, and it's been reported that they have at least inquired about both of them then they'll have to move a veteran contract. And whether that be Derek Broussard down the middle or Carl Hagelin seems like the most logical guy to move in, in just more of a salary dump measure. Not that Hagelin doesn't have value defensively, penalty killing, chips in the occasional goal, and really adds to the forward check. But if you want to get, you have to give. And uh, Hagelin's owed $4 million in the final year of his contract coming up. So he adds up. Derek Broussard's making three next year. That's another player that you would uh, – you could see going, say, to Montreal, they need a center, right? So that makes a lot of sense. Or down to Carolina, too. They seem pretty determined to move Jeff Skinner this offseason under new management. Um, as far as Cullen, you brought him up, part of that log jam down the middle. Yeah, he can play wing. He can play left wing for you. And to be clear, I like him better than Tom Kuhnhockel or Carter Rowney as fourth-line contributors, even though uh, the two guys I just mentioned are, what, 10-plus years younger than Matt Cullen. I still think Cullen could do a little bit better than them just because of his, of his background and his pedigree. So um, it's not all bad for the Penguins this offseason, and I think they still have pretty impressive depth up front. It's just uh, there are a couple of areas you could nitpick. One is perhaps one more scoring line winger, and another is, well, like I was saying, a guy like Duclair, someone who could prove to you that he could stick with a big club if you give him a, a minimal role to start. You mentioned Broussard's name there early. All things considered, because they kind of is equal, they're both about the same age, they're both on expiring, they have one more year left on their deals, they'll be free agents next summer. Do you think Broussard or Max, like from the Penguins' standpoint, who would you rather have on the team if you're only going to have them for one year, Broussard or Patches? 
Oh, boy, that's a great question. Um, because Pacioretty is one of the top goal scorers in the league, and he has been since the start of the decade. But then again, Broussard, if we buy into the fact that he was pretty drastically compromised by an injury during the playoffs last year, then okay, uh, maybe i like him to come back. I still love his track record, and he's still young enough where I think he could stick feasibly as a third-line center and give the Penguins those big three lines, those big three down the middle that they had um, with Crosby, Malkin, and Stahl, Crosby, Malkin, and Benino when he was playing really well in the 16 Cup. And since you have a player like Phil Kessel, and I don't think they're going to trade him at this point of the, of the offseason, I could be wrong, but if you have someone like Kessel, then I think it behooves you to, to try to stretch out that lineup as much as possible. So Broussard is still really tempting to me to hang on to. So um, I don't think it's necessary they go and get uh, uh, Max Pacioretty if, if that is the, the compromise here that you have to give Broussard. I'm not sure I would do it, actually. And um, all things being equal, I'll take the better center over the better winger. It seems like there's been maybe a little bit of a waiting game around Pacioretty. Do you think that's maybe the asking price? Like, what would it take for the Penguins to acquire a, a Pacioretty? Would they have to include an Oli Mata or someone that, that's young with that type of pedigree? Could be uh, maybe Tristan Jari is also a, a well-regarded prospect in the Penguins system. And with Casey DeSmith coming on last year and showing that he could at least be a backup, maybe the Penguins feel emboldened to give Jari up. Now, I'm not sure that I would because I think I still like his upside a lot. And uh, to be honest, Matt Murray still has a lot to prove at the NHL level um, as far as durability and putting together a full season. So um, it's not like that's a huge position of strength for them, for the Penguins in goal. But I also don't think that it's just going to be Broussard. It'll probably be Broussard and a pick. And we lost Mr. Geica. <laughs> we'll do our best to get him back on the line there. That's the interesting part of all this to me is Broussard or Pacioretty. Who would you rather have? They're both on expiring contracts. They're both about the same age. I agree with Matt that I think all things considered, I would always rather have a strong center over a strong winger. But with this team with their logjam at center, I'm not sure. And Pacioretty just seems like a guy who has been waiting to play for a, a good team his whole career. I think we have Matt back on the line. Matt, can you hear me? All right. Yeah, sorry about that. No worries, no worries. Communication, misconnection, yeah. Hey, it happens, it, it happens. Um, To transition here a little bit, one, two names that I'm really interested, maybe the most intriguing for me on the Penguins roster going into next season, are Derek Simone and Zach Aston reese What should we expect from those guys? Simone, he's had some NHL time now, but it looks like he could – maybe finally have found his role. Do you expect both of those guys to be key contributors or more so depth players who, who are going to get scratched a handful of times? I think, well, both guys are probably going to sit out a few times coming up next year. But if I had to pick one guy to succeed, it's probably Dominic Simone, considering the way the Penguins play. It's such an up-tempo system. Simone can move all right. He, he reads the game really well. And I, I loved some moments that he had with Crosby in the middle of the season where the give-and-go game was back in Sid's game, and that was missing with Chris Kunitz moving on. That was the one thing that Chris could do really well, too, was read off Crosby. And Simone, this is no small thing. He seems to have shown an ability to do that, too. So not that he has to be a top-line winger, but I think he's a smart player. I think he has a good shot if he would use it a little bit more. He buried a few pucks in his first stint with the Penguins, maybe not so much um, late in the season. And he had a broken thumb, too, so let's keep that in mind, another 
injury-affected um, guy in the postseason, too. Um, and Zach Aston Reese, I feel like 10 years ago, I would have given him a better shot, or 15 years ago. But the game has picked up in terms of pace so much, uh, at the top level especially. That's the one weakness for Aston Reese is the first-step quickness and, and um, getting from A to B. So he's savvy. He's also a smart player, too. But you don't have the wheels uh, in this game. You have to be almost perfect. And it's not impossible to succeed, but I would take at this moment Simone over Aston Reese. The balance of the Eastern Conference has really changed here in the past couple weeks. You've, of course, had John Tavares signing with the Maple Leafs, and it's rumored that Carlson is on his way to Tampa Bay. If that does happen, where do you kind of put the Penguins in the hierarchy of the Eastern Conference now? Now, thankfully, both of those are Atlantic teams, but where would you put the Penguins along with those teams in the Capitals? Where should maybe their expectations be next year in kind of this reloaded Eastern Conference? Yeah, I was just talking about this this morning um, on my own show, and I think that the Penguins are probably the third-best team if Carlson goes to Tampa. Even if he doesn't, that's still uh, pretty close to an all-star caliber unit down there with the Lightning. And they'll have one more shot before they have to try to re-sign Kucherov and and bring a couple other guys back who are key to their success. So 18-19 looks like the Lightning's perhaps best shot as long as Steven Stamkos is still in his prime too. And, and, you know, guys like Alex, or pardon me, uh, yeah, Alex Kalorn and Tyler Johnson and some of those depth guys are still in their uh, late 20s, early 30s. And Toronto has put itself right up there for me. They might be the best team in the East now. And we're also leaving out the Washington Capitals. I still like the Penguins by a bit over them going into next year just because they have a little bit more punch down the middle. Uh, but at the same time, the, the Penguins stars are getting into their early 30s now. So uh, it's, it's not necessarily the case that the aging curve goes down gradually. Sometimes you might have a, a, a steep falloff or there could be a season that's an off season for Sid or Gino or, or Phil Kessel or, well, Crystal Tang. Maybe he doesn't get it back. Maybe Matt Murray doesn't find it. So, the Penguins are not the favorite in the East right now. And if Carlson goes to the Lightning, I would put the Penguins in, in a comfortable third place, but possibly still first in the Metro. Matt Geica from Pittsburgh Hockey now joining me. Last thing or two for you here, Matt. You wrote about a former Youngstown Phantom, Andre Schuster, yesterday as well. Any interest the Penguins have in him? I would really like him as a depth guy, but could that also possibly be tied to what happens with Alexiak and, and maybe some of these other things we've been talking about? Well, same case as Anthony Duclair yesterday. Just a few hours after that was posted, Andre Schuster signed for one year and 1.2 in Anaheim. So well, he lost the market. Shame well. on me. Yeah. I missed that last night. Yeah, I, I think uh, I almost did too because I was so focused on Duclair and I'd heard the Penguins had interest. But Andre Schuster, who went to a Penguins development camp in addition to playing for the Phantoms and being um, a good college hockey player at Nebraska Omaha. He found himself on the outs in Tampa last year, and I like him to have a bounce-back season. Not that I feel like the Penguins need more size necessarily on the blue line, but if a player like Schuster, 6'7", 6'8", who can play a little bit, um, you don't have to play him 20 minutes a night, but I felt like he was probably a better bet to be uh, an all-around guy than, say, a Chad Weedle. So, unfortunately, he is off the market, though, and so um, – not really much left besides the, the pending signing of Alexiak, assuming he doesn't go to arbitration. Last thing for you here, Matt, quickly. I know you're pulling for Poland. They have obviously been eliminated. Who you got the They're rest gone. of the way? Are you riding with anybody the rest of the way here in the World Cup? Well, Belgium just beat Brazil, and Belgium is so much fun to watch. It's their golden generation, they call it, in their country. Mm -hmm. All these talented guys. If you watch English Premier League, you probably know half the Belgium roster. 
But you know what, France, they're, they're coming together. Some young players, and they're, they're figuring things out, how to play it, how to be strategic and tactical in these big matches. I was uh, really impressed by their win this morning against an Uruguay team who was tough to score against, and they got two. So uh, France might be my favorite if I had to put it, the odds down, but I think the semifinal between France and Belgium might be the de facto finals. That's coming up on Tuesday. And, of course, England, hey, they invented the game, or they'll tell you they invented the game, so... <laughs> Uh, they've been waiting a long time, too. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing them raise the trophy at the end. And they're fully capable as well. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Seeing England win it again would kind of be like if the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup again. The, just the, the scenes and the celebrations yeah. would be out of control. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. You can get all of Matt's work at Pittsburgh Hockey now. Great catching up with you, Mr. Geica. Hopefully we'll do this again soon. Yeah, good to hear your voice on uh, Pittsburgh Radio. And, yeah, once again, I'll talk to you later. Have a good weekend. Thank you to Matt Geica for joining us. He's got the best lettuce in Pittsburgh. On the other side, we're going to give away movie tickets once more, and we'll ask our dumb question of the day. We've got four options for you. Which is more of a sport? That coming up next on The Crowley Show. This is The Adam Crowley Show. I mean, I cannot believe the kind of nonsense that I am hearing right now. On ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Mixed drop. Free Movie Friday program with Adam Tickets is back. The Adam Tickets app lets you browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions, and more. All from your phone. And you can skip the lines. Adam Tickets wants to give you a chance at free movie tickets right now. Text them. The keyword burger, as in cheeseburger, to ATOM1. That's the number one for your chance to win. Again, burger to ATOM1 for your chance to win. Standard data and text message rates apply. All right, it's the last segment of the day. It's a Friday, so you know what this means. It's time for our dumb question of the day. I have the Twitter poll up on my page, at Wesley Euler WVU, if you want to get involved. Which is more of a sport? We've got four options. Competitive eating, NASCAR, professional gaming, and poker. We've got 127 votes so far. Pretty good turnout. NASCAR, of course, as I had expected, was in the lead. Competitive eating in second place, professional gaming in third, and then poker all the way in last. But NASCAR was 64% of the vote. Pretty good chunk. Competitive eating second in 17 with professional gaming right on its heels. So... Wearing a shirt, Tom. Which is more of a sport? Ah, uh, such a tough question. But it's also just such a dumb question, too. Yeah, it's the dumb question of the day. That's mm. what we do on Fridays in the last segment of the day. I mean, we were talking about salt at this time I last feel like week, Tom. Poker's more of a skill. You know what I mean? There's there's skill involved, but there's a lot of luck involved, too. It's it's, it's both. NASCAR's just driving. Which of these takes the most athleticism? Oh. It might be competitive eating, honestly. More than NASCAR? I don't know. Those guys work out. Those they, guys they and girls train really their work bodies. Out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Joey Chestnut's and the training regimen is rigorous. The crazy thing is, too, if you look at the guys who stand across that stage, I don't want to say they're all in shape, but they're not, they're not they're out not of shape. Big. They're yeah. certainly not out of shape. It's crazy. NASCAR competitive, it has to be, right? Because, I mean, professional gaming, listen, we talked about this last week. I've made some money in my lifetime professional gaming in the past, so I can't knock. So it can't be. I can't knock. Yeah, it can't be that because I'm, I'm about as athletic as this pen. 
Competitive eating or NASCAR? NASCAR, see, they have to sit in the heat for all those hours, which takes a level of endurance and concentration. And But what other sport do you just sit down the whole time? There's got to be like some Olympic sports where you sit down. I don't, I don't know. Think so there's not water one. polo. No, you're not sitting. Down. Bobsled, I guess. Bobsled and luge. Yeah, but I don't know. Sled hockey. There's a lot of danger involved with NASCAR, though. So that oh, might, that might elevate it. A but little there's bit. a lot of danger involved with competitive eating. Eating gluttony is one of the seven deadly sins, Tom. And uh, there's just all the health concerns that come with shoving that much. I think I'm going to vote NASCAR. I'm going to go with the people and vote NASCAR. I think so, too. It, it, it pains me to say it. We right? should have maybe left NASCAR out and just done competitive eating, professional gaming, poker. Why? Because you just want to say competitive eating? No, just not even that, it. but it's just like NASCAR took such a big chunk of the vote that maybe it would have yeah, been more it, fun it kinda, to see yeah. where the, the other one shook down. Again, if you want to get involved, you want to chime in on that poll, at Wesley Euler on the Twitter Dot com. One more time, 16% competitive eating, 64% say NASCAR, 14% professional gaming, and then poker bringing up the weird with just 6%. 128 votes so far. All right, before we get out of here, I tasked Tom with one thing for me. Well, besides playing the Black Party music and, and doing the great job producing that he does, I tasked Tom with a job today, and that was Tom. Just find me, we'll call it one thing Wes missed, Something dumb out there. I told you bonus points if it's not related to sports that we could just talk about and laugh about for a few minutes. So, Mr. Opperman, the floor is yours. Yeah, Wes, uh, I don't know if you you might have missed this, but uh, Darren Ravel tweeted this out earlier today. Such a Darren Ravel move to tweet this out. Wait, was it a picture of him like getting crossed up in a one-on-one game? No, no, <laughs> not, not that extreme. I, I wish, though. It was the top five... And the bottom five, fast food, full service, and limited service restaurants. Ranked oh, by customer yeah. satisfaction. Now, this is the kind of content I'm craving right here. Where do you want, you want to start limited service? Let's start with the limited service. Let's start with the top five. Okay. So, like, give me the, I, so limited service, we're talking like sure. your drive-thru. Yes, drive-thru you know window. I mean? like, yeah, or like counter quick exactly, service. Exactly. Like pizza Number, shops. I, I don't know because I feel like people are all over the place with this, but... I think it's pretty obvious Chick-fil-A has to be number one. Chick-fil-A is number one. Yeah, but after that, I've got no clue. Like, I would guess maybe McDonald's, but I don't know. They've got just as many haters as they do lovers. Not McDonald's. I wouldn't have guessed this, but it makes sense that they're number two. It's Panera. Panera comes okay. in number two. Yeah, because that's limited service. Yeah, go up to the counter. That makes sense. It's very Chick-fil-A-esque I, with their You service. know who's got to be high on this list, too, that I absolutely love, but people love it, is Subway. Subway's on the top five list, but they're not next on the top five list. They're number five. They round okay. out the top five. Okay. Uh, so I don't like Subway that much either, though. I don't get the hype I, there. Not that I hate it, but I just feel like you can get a better hoagie. top five. You can pay a dollar or two extra and get a better hoagie anywhere else. Yeah, it's not top five. Not top five. So All right, so you, the three and four. Three and four really. Give me, give me some hints. All right, well, they're both pizza. Oh, you know who's got to be there then? Because they've just done so much goodwill lately. Is it Domino's? Is Domino's there? No, no Domino's. No Domino's. No Domino's. I'm insulted by that these two are on this list. Top five. Oh, then you know who's got to be on the list because he's such a jabroni is, is the Pizza Papa. Papa John. Yeah, yep, right? Number three. Oh, the Pizza come Papa comes on. in at number three. He's the worst. I love Papa John's pizza, but I don't know if I'm putting that top five fast food places. No Limit, Limited service. Real quick, is Papa John's your favorite chain pizza? Yes. Probably mine, too. I think Pizza Hut would be my least I don't favorite. think chain pizzas belong in the fast food category. I don't either. Darren. It's not really, it's not really like, limited service. Like, it's, you could get that delivered to your house. Yeah, really. Number four? Ra- you said it was it pizza, so it's not Domino's, it's not Papa John's. That means it has to be Pizza Hut, right? It's pizza Hut, yeah. Gross. Which is just such a classic move. When we were kids, Pizza Hut was great until they started 
freezing all their pizzas ahead of time. Okay, uh, do you want to get into worst of those, or do you want to go to full service? Let's go to the worst. Let's okay. do the bottom five. For bottom the five of those. Chain. All right, I, the only guess that I have that's going to be down there is Taco Bell, because I love Taco Bell, but I know people hate Taco Bell. Taco Bell was second to last. Second to last. Second okay, to that last. doesn't surprise me. So what was last? Like Long John Silver's? McDonald's. McDonald's? McDonald's last? was in last place. No. Based on customer satisfaction, McDonald's no. is bringing up the rear wow. in limited service fast food chains. The Golden Arches. Third to last is a place I've never even eaten at, Jack in the Box. Okay, where does Wendy's fall on this list? Because I feel like they should be towards the top. Well, they're not towards the top. No? They finished in 13th place. They are 5th to last. That's bullcrap. So they just, they start Wendy's the would be five. number two for me, right behind I Chick-fil-A. think Wendy's is ahead of Papa John's, Pizza Hut. No, no Subway. Yeah. Wendy's might be number three. Wendy. I like the Panera at number two move. Though. No, that's, that's a sneaky good. Joint. That's sneaky the good. And I'm joint. surprised, Jerome, I guess all the stuff that's happened. Joint. I'm surprised there's not like a Mexican, you know, like a Chipotle or a Moe's or something on this list. But I guess those those are also too like regional. Yeah. Okay. And Burger King is also in the bottom five, right after Wendy's. Okay, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. What, what, no, Burger King can get lost. They can All take right. rocks. Full service. Full food service. Food Top chains. five. Uh, like I, I'm dreading this, but I know Olive Garden has to be high on the list, even though it's gross. They're on the list. They're number four. Okay. Uh, give me some hints as to what's around them. I'll give you a hint for number one. They mm-hmm. have the name of a state in their name. Oh gosh, it's got to be uh, Texas Texas Steakhouse, Texas Roadhouse, Texas whatever Roadhouse. it's called. Yeah. Texas Roadhouse. Never really ate there though. Uh, I've been a couple times back in Morgantown when I was in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. If Number wanna, two is a shocker to me. Okay, give me a hint. I don't have a hint for you. Okay, so number two has to be, I don't know, like it's the cracker Denny's <laughs> Cracker Barrel. Oh, that's a great call. I don't like you don't like Cracker Barrel? I don't know. I just think it's number two. It's oh, weird. Oh, that's a great call. Okay, so Texas Roadhouse 1, Cracker Barrel 2. You said Olive number Garden th- was four. four. Number okay. three kind of has more of that, 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 uh, this, the um, Texas feel to it. like Another steakhouse? It's a steakhouse. It's the other one. Yeah, the top. Uh, um, uh, Longhorn. Longhorn. Longhorn Steakhouse, okay. number three. Okay, so. Number five is another steakhouse. So three steakhouses in the top five. we're going five. down under for this one. Oh, a little outback, a little yeah. Outback. A little outback. A little blooming onion. Huh? A little blooming onion. Um, that's number five. So three of the top five are steakhouses. You know what? That's not surprising because those places are a little more expensive, right? So you would expect better service at those places, I feel like. America loves their steak. Can I be honest with you, Except though? for Olive Garden. Olive Garden sucks. Can I be really honest right now? Yeah. I think I agree with the bottom five more than the top five. Like, I think the bottom five should be the top five. Real quick, this. we should have beforehand. None of these places sponsor the Crowley Show that we're talking trash on, do we? Because that would be a bad look. No, don't okay. worry. We, okay, have no, we have no sponsor. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so all Quickly, we have left right, is the bottom five. Dead I'm, last. Dead last has to be like it has to be like an Applebee's or like a Denny's or something like that. It's a Denny's. Yeah, but Denny's I love is, Denny's. Do you? Yes. More than like Eaton Park though, or IHOP. No, I like Eaton Park okay. a lot more. Okay, I was gonna say because I, I second like, to last yeah. Ruby Tuesdays. I don't know if I've ever been to a Ruby Tuesday. I don't think I have either. Third to last Chili's. Really? Yes. See, I got no beef with Chili's. I'd um, rather go there than Applebee's. Well, for sure. I'm more of an Applebee's yeah, guy than Chili's. Guy. Are you? Yeah. And Why? Because Applebee's is fourth to last, right in front of Chili's. What What puts the apple above the chili for you? You're not a spicy I'm just a fan. Guy, huh? I'm just a fan. And then at the bring very beginning the of the bottom five, not bringing up the rear, number eight, fifth to last, TGI Fridays. I haven't been in one of those in a stone's age. Either. Love a TGI Fridays. Yeah. Oh yeah. More than Denny's. More than Denny's. More than Applebee's. Sure. More than Applebee's, for sure. All right. I hope you never get off Fridays and you work at a Fridays that's always busy on Fridays. It's been a lot of fun, Tom. I'm Wesley Euler. I've been filling in for Adam today in a couple days last week. Thanks to Tom for having me. Thanks to Brian as well. 
Great job, Tom. It was a lot of fun working with you. I had a lot of fun being here. Back at you. Adam will be back with you next Monday after he ends his bachelor party. I mean, time at the furry convention. He'll be back on with you Monday, I'm sure, with a lot of fun as always. I'm Wesley Euler. You can get at me on Twitter at Wesley Euler. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Crowley Show.